We're going to start off this morning with some why questions. I, I enjoy why questions. Uh, I have a three, five, and seven-year-old, so I don't enjoy them quite as much as I used to, but I enjoy why questions. So we're going to start off with some why questions. Uh, why is it called a building if it's already built? Why is the slowest part of the day called rush hour? Why is abbreviated such a long word? Why isn't phonetic spelled the way that it sounds? That's a good question. Why does the sun lighten our hair but darken our skin? And then a why question that I have no answers to that doesn't make sense to me at all is why do people still root for the Houston Astros? (laughs) That's from my friend Brian. So this morning I want us to wrestle with and answer this question of why church? Why, church? This seems especially timely and pertinent um, this morning with our seniors as they begin to wrestle with why, church? Um, but it's not just 18-year-olds. As I listen and, and talk to people, it's 28, 38, 48, 58, 68-year-olds that are wrestling with why, church? Just this week, Gallup released a poll, and they found that for the first time, Since 1937, when they started polling, they've been polling since 1937, and for the first time since 1937, less than 50% of Americans identify as a member of a religious institution. So why church? If someone were to come to you and say, I'm tired of church, I think I, I can volunteer for three hours on a Sunday morning, I can still give my money to good causes, I can still make it to brunch, why do I need to go to church? Or maybe someone were to say to you, at the end of a long week, my, like, my life is crazy, I, the work week is crazy, kid stuff is crazy, trying to get up in the morning, doesn't, the only way I can get rest is to not go to church anymore. Why church? And we could go on and on, right? In this season of my life, why church? I went to church and I only got hurt. Why church? I went to church, I didn't get anything out of it. Why church? I love Jesus but I don't go to church. Why church? Or I get used to not going to church during COVID. Why go to church? If you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 is where we're going to be. This is not your usual Senior Sunday Baccalaureate text. Uh, This is the wedding text. I love to preach this text at weddings. Um, But I want us to read this text this morning and to read it through the lens of this question, why church? Read it through the lens of Jesus and his bride, the church. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Let's read. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. 
However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. One of the things that's interesting about this text is that it is written, Paul is writing this text at a time when marriage is on the decline. In fact, marriage um, is in danger of, of not being what we know it to be. And so Paul writes this, and he says, uh, one of the things I was reading this week is that in the Jewish world, Jewish girls were refusing to marry because their position as a wife was so uncertain and held so little value and merit. In the Greek world, faithfulness among husbands was non-existent, and they could get divorced on a whim. In the Roman world, scholars have said the whole atmosphere was adulterous. There was a saying that said women were married to be divorced and divorced to be married. The marriage bond was on its way to a complete breakdown. And Paul writes this text, this strong text, about what marriage is and what it isn't and what it looks like. And so today, as we attempt to look at this text, not through the lens of a husband and wife, but through the lens of the church and Jesus, I think it's interesting to read it now, when the church is on the decline, when the church is in danger. Now, I want us to remember what Dan Bouchel said two weeks ago. The global church at large is not on the decline. Christianity around the world is growing at a rate that maybe it has never grown at before. <clears throat> but in our little neck of the woods, in our little place on earth, Christianity, the church, is on the decline. So why church? A couple things. First, the church is broken. I have become convinced that any conversation about why church must start with this admission, must start with this confession. Jesus did not die for a perfect church. Jesus is not washing and cleansing a perfect church. He's washing and cleansing a church that is broken. We fool no one when we ignore the pain that the church has caused. We fool no one like we act, when we act like we have it all together. The church is a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints, right? And so when the church is a hospital for sinners, when that is our model, things will get messy and brokenness will ensue. There is a story in Donald Miller's book that he writes, Blue Like Jazz, Many of you may be familiar with this story. <clears throat> but Donna Miller tells the story. He's a college student at Reed College in Portland, Oregon. Reed College is a liberal arts university in Portland, Oregon, that is not known for being very welcoming of organized religious groups. And Donald Miller is a student on this campus, and he's part of a small campus ministry at Reed College. And every spring, Reed College holds this festival called the Ren Fair Festival. And essentially, it is a four-day party on campus. They shut down the whole campus, and for four days, it's just craziness. And Donald and his friends in the campus ministry decide they want to be a part of this somehow. They want to show their fellow students that they are a part of their campus as well. They want to be a presence in the midst of that chaos. And so they decide to build a confession booth. And so Donald and his friends, they build this confession booth and they plant it right in the center of the campus. 
And the festival begins, and Don volunteers to be the first one to sit in the, in the confessional booth. And he sits in that booth, and he sits alone for a while. And after a while, someone walks into that booth, and they begin to kind of start confessing. And Donald stops them immediately. And he says, this isn't that type of confession booth. Instead, I want to confess to you all the ways that the church has messed up. And so he confesses for all the pain and harm caused by the Crusades. He confesses for all the ways that, Jesus, that Christians have not represented Jesus well. He confesses that Jesus says to care for the poor and he hasn't cared for the poor very well. He confesses that Jesus says to love those who persecute you and he tends to lash out his enemies. And he confesses that he has not been a very good follower of Jesus and this has brought great harm to lots of people. I believe any conversation of why church must start like this. This is the elephant in the room that we cannot ignore. In our culture, which is very, very, very skeptical of institutions, and rightfully so, we must acknowledge this. I mean, think about it. If you were going to get in a relationship with someone who had caused lots and lots of pain, you would want them to first acknowledge that, to not ignore it, to not minimize it, to not run from it, but to acknowledge it. And if the church is a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints, if it's a hospital for sinners, we do have brokenness. And it does no good to ignore that. The church is broken. That is why Jesus died for her. Next, the church is the bride of Christ. The church is not Jesus' hobby. The church is not an idea that Jesus had at the end of his ministry. The church is not like a startup that if it doesn't go well, we just innovate and move on. The church is the bride of Christ. One of the things that I hear quite often is I love Jesus. I think Jesus was amazing, but I don't do church. Church isn't for me. Church, no, Jesus, yes. But Jesus loved the church. And if we love Jesus, we are called to love what he loved. The church was one of Jesus' greatest loves. Now this is where it gets a little tricky. I've heard people uh, talk about this. And they say sometimes, maybe sometimes more often than not, we tend to date church rather than to be married to church. And so we view our relationship like a boyfriend or girlfriend. If this is going well for me, if I'm getting something out of this, if this is helping me, then I'm in it. And if it's not, then I'm out. Now this isn't to negate everything I just said. Walk into church with your eyes wide open. Find a place that is humble and contrite and honest about their, their weaknesses and their struggles. And then get invested. The church is the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Verse 30 says it clearly, for we are members of his body. I've talked about this a lot lately, but a couple of things. We are to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. The church is the embodiment of Jesus here on earth. There's a preacher named Josh Graves. I love what he says about the church as the body of Jesus. 
He says this, like God becoming flesh in the human body of Jesus, the local church is the messy incarnated word of God in everyday life. God steps into the vineyard vines and the target bought sundresses. God steps into your skin. God knows that truth and grace need a body and we are that body. The church is the messy incarnated word of God in everyday life. The church is the hands and feet of Jesus trying to make a difference in the neighborhood of Western Plateau. Trying to be light in the halls of Tascosa and Randall. Trying to be light in the workplaces of Amarillo. Together we are the body of Christ. Next one, wake up. The church is boring when we remove the Spirit of God from the body of Christ. One of the things that we have learned in the past few months as we kind of come out of COVID is that churches who believe that the Spirit of God is present among them when they are gathered are seeing their people return at a much faster rate than those who tend to view church more like a country club. See, what if we believed that God was present here among us when we gathered on a Sunday morning? That God was present in the breaking of the bread and the drinking of the cup. That God was present in the collective worship of broken sinners. That God was present in the communal reading of the Holy Scriptures. We are an imperfect church made up of broken people that together create a perfect place to experience God. I wonder if on some level, when Paul says, this is the mystery of Christ in the church... If that isn't part of the mystery, that a broken group of sinners, when we come together, God is present among us. It's an incredible, incredible mystery. The church that Paul is describing, the church that Jesus died for, is not boring, but is a living, breathing embodiment of God present here on earth. Uh, Recently, I read uh, where mom was talking about just the heroic task of getting your kids up and going in the morning. Of waking them, feeding them, cleaning them, clothing them, getting them in the car, separating the fights, like all of that. And she joked, she said, sometimes on Sunday morning it feels like I lose more religion than I gain. And I think, I know our family, we can relate to that. We must re-enchant the church. Church is not just something that you do out of obligation or to cement your standing in the community or to do something because it's what your parents want you to do. The church is a place where we believe God is at work and we experience his spirit when we are gathered together. Next, the church is family. The church is a weird family that Dole alluded to, but it is a family that we belong to. It is made up of all ages, all backgrounds, all personalities. And each week the church offers an open invitation to all who come into her doors. And in a world that is more and more fractioning into smaller and smaller groups of like-minded individuals, we need the church. A church that opens its doors each Sunday and says no matter where you are, or where you come from, or what you've done, or what you look like, you belong. I love that my three, five, and seven-year-old feel like they belong here. I love that my 93-year-old grandmother, 94 tomorrow, feels like she belongs here. 
I love that my teenage students feel like they belong here. The church is a place where you belong. J.P. Conway, in his book, Broken But Beautiful, he tells a story about his friend named Richard. And Richard attends this church, and one Sunday morning, Richard notices a visitor walk in the church. And so Richard walks over, introduces himself, meets the visitor. visitor's name is Jack. Richard and Jack visit. Richard helps Jack find a seat in the auditorium. And then throughout the morning, Richard is kind of watching to see if Jack knows anybody else in church, if he has any connection with anybody else in church. And it seems like Jack doesn't really know anybody in church. After church, Jack is standing out in the foyer, and he's just kind of standing there, like waiting for something to happen. And so Richard walks up to him and says, why don't you come to lunch with me and my family? And so Jack comes to lunch with Richard and his family. Richard and Jack are sitting at the end of the table, and Richard just asks Jack. He says, why did you come here this morning? Why did you show up? And Jack says this. He says, well, I just got in from Georgia yesterday. I hit a rough patch and needed a fresh start. I pulled into a motel last night. I hardly have any money, and I don't know what to do. An older friend of mine told me to find a church and wait around until somebody invited me to lunch. Then I should do whatever that person tells me to do. So what do you think I should do? And Richard and Jack built this beautiful relationship where they became friends. They became mentors for each other. Richard helped Jack get on his feet. Jack found a place to belong. The church is a family where everyone belongs. The church is a place where you become like Jesus. In many ways, I think marriage is the relationship in our life that shapes us more than any other relationship. And Jesus says the church is his bride. That the church is the place where we are transformed into Christ-likeness. That if we believe Jesus is the Son of God and we love him, we believe he, cre- he cre- came and lived the best possible life, then the church should be the place where we become like him. The church should be the vehicle for Christ-likeness in our lives. The church isn't as much about attendance as it is about transformation. And then we come and we acknowledge that we need this place, we need this people to become more like Jesus. If I could, I want to dismiss our elders and ministers to their places around the church at this time. And um, Carl, if you would, put these questions up. So each week we try to give you some questions. Um, I hope you'll take a picture of these questions if they pop up. If not, I'll read them to you. But the questions that I want you to wrestle with this morning, seniors, will the church be a priority in your life? Why or why not? And what are the implications of that decision? Church, will the church, is the church a priority in your life? Why or why not? What are the implications of that? And then last, why church? Like if someone were to ask you why church in our culture 2021, how would you answer that question? Why do you go to church? Parents, Do your kids know why you wrestle with them on Sunday morning to get them to church? Do your kids know why church is a priority in your life? So I hope you'll you'll take a picture of these, talk about them at lunch, journal through them this week, wrestle with these questions this week. So we wrap up this morning, hear this. The church is broken 
but she is beautiful. The church is the bride of Jesus Christ. The church is the body of Jesus Christ. The church is not boring when it becomes a place where we encounter Jesus Christ. The church is a place where you belong, and the church is a place where you become like Jesus. One more word for you this morning. Be. This week, I had the privilege of running into one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, He is in his 80s. I am in my 30s. He can fix anything. I cannot fix anything. He drives a truck. I drive an Altima. He wears boots. I don't own boots. Um, But he is one of my favorite people in the world. And the only reason we have relationship is because of the church. And so we get together. He starts talking. And I start listening. He starts telling stories. I start listening even more. And then he starts talking about the church. He starts talking about all that the church has taught him. He starts talking about all, and he knows, he's been in church a long time. He's served and led in church a long time. And he talks about all that he's learned while he's led. All that he's learned while he's served in church. And then he says this, I do not know where I would be without the church. I don't know where I would be without the church. And that has stuck in my head ever since he said it. Because it's true for me. I do not know where I would be without the church. And I think it's a truth that has been lived and experienced by Christians throughout church history. Seniors, let the church be a part of your life, a part of your story. And church, let the church be a part of your life, a part of your story. Why church? Because I do not know where I would be without church. I do not know who I would be without church. The church is broken, but she is beautiful. Let's stand and sing.